Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. I'm Ben Trueblood, and with me is producer Nathan. What's up? Today, we've got a special episode for you that we recorded on location at one of our Essentials events. We've talked about these before. It is an incredible event where we go to a city, do a one-day student pastor training event. People from that community student of student pastors are part of the program. So we, we anytime we go to a place, we always want to get ministry contextualized in that place. And so what you're going to hear today is the last session of one of these Essentials events that we had in San Antonio. And a couple of the youth pastors local to that area were part of a panel discussion where the audience submitted questions and we had a couple questions of our own. So we wanted to give you a taste of what Essentials is, and we wanted to let you know that you can find out if Essentials is coming to a city near you or your city. You can go to lifeway.com slash student essentials, and you can see where we are going to be heading. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I think it'll be relevant to you and encourage you in student ministry. Enjoy. Well, my name is Casey Withers. Um, I've been a student pastor here at CBC for three and a half years. I'm from uh, Riverside, California, and been in Texas now for five years. Um, My wife and I have been married for five years, and we have a baby on the way in Eight weeks. Nice, man. First baby. So lots of unknowns, but really excited for that. Yeah. Very cool. I'm Ronald Long. Um, I have been the middle school pastor at Wayside Chapel here in San Antonio for eight years. Um, I have three kids, and the biggest thing that's going on is my oldest is now a middle school student. So, right. I've been doing student ministry for 14 years um, at two different churches, one in Tennessee, one here. And so now I'm like you were talking about a little earlier, Ben, I'm now a parent, not an experienced like middle school parent, but like now I can be like, yes, I'm also a parent. And so, yeah, it's terrifying and awesome. It's a weird thing to stand up for the first time and look out and see like your kid out there, right? Yeah. I called on her this morning or on Sunday to answer a question. And that's both like really cool. And like, there's not just a small bit of like anxiety. I'm just like, it's it's fine. Whatever you say is great. Be yourself, but like get it right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm sure she feels a little bit of that pressure. Like I've got to nail this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we've we've talked about that at home too. Of like, it's so Sophie. Be yourself. It's totally fine. Be yourself. And she's quirky, so she doesn't she doesn't need to be told to be herself. She does it all on her own. That's good. So <laughs> when you are uh, when you're preaching. Do you try to like not make eye, like you just buzz right past her? Absolutely. Like just a little bit of like, I acknowledge you, you're in the room, there you are. And so like kind of move on. But like, otherwise it's just like, look at my daughter. And like, (laughs) I can't, no, I can't do that. That's good. Well, uh, uh, we're gonna start off, jump right into the questions. And the first one is really practical. Uh, What would be the typical runtime and look and feel for your average youth night? So- student worship service, run time, and then look and feel that you're going for. Casey, let's start with you. Yeah, so Wednesday nights, um, we have middle school, high school services that meet separate, but same times, 6.45 to 8. But we, we really open doors around 6.15, 6.30. Students show up, um, and we really value that, that opening time. So mm-hmm. we call it the pre-party. I think a lot of youth groups have spaces to do that, um, we're a setup teardown model of youth ministry. So we kind of overtake our lobby and try to make it feel like a student space. 
um, as much as possible with pipe and drape and all that stuff. But one thing we say to our leaders that we want in that context is the gospel is, is preached from the parking lot, you know, back to the parking lot. Mm. So it's, it's preached long before we preach it from stage. And so we really value that opening time, I think, for relationships, connections, you know, the, the seeker who has never stepped inside a church, you know, yeah. that has a preconceived idea of that. You know, countdown starts at 645 and we'll do worship, we'll do games, we'll do announcements. Um, but then that'll transition to a message and response time. So try to let them have some silence at the end of process and then do closing announcements at the end. And really we, we, we invite them to like, what's more important is, is our Sunday nights. Okay. So in some ways it's a, it's a funnel to Sunday nights, but a lot of people actually go to Sunday nights first and then check out Wednesday nights. Okay. And Sunday night then would be like small groups. Is that when you do group stuff? We have, we call them community groups, but it's a small group. They meet in homes around our city. Awesome. Um, and they're some student led, leader led, college led, but. Okay. Yeah. Great. Ronald, what about you? Uh, the, the look and feel of ours is manic energy. I would probably say, okay. um, but that's because it's middle school, right? Right. So about three years ago, and, and I say this, I love the programming element of, of student ministry. So I love planning the games and planning the announcements and all this kind of stuff. Um, that's, that's my passion but three years ago, I was like, I don't have to do all this. I want to, mm-hmm. like, I want to be the one who's on stage and doing everything. But I just said, okay, like, really? Like, I know I get paid to do this, but my job's not that hard when it comes to being up on stage. So our, um, unlike, unlike a lot of youth ministries, ours is on Sunday morning, our large group time. Okay. And so we start at 9.15. We have that same type of 15 minutes of hang time. And then from 9.30 to 10.30 is our, is our program but a student is the first person who gets up on stage. They do the announcements. They do the welcome, the greeting, the, hey, watch this dumb video. It's really funny. Uh, and then uh, they transition to a, another student who gets up and leads the crowd game as well as the, the upfront game. And then they say, okay, now it's time for the worship band. And the worship comes up and it's middle school students again. And they do that. And then about halfway through that, I finally get up on stage and say, hey, I'm Ronald, I'm the middle school pastor, I'm, I'm here to preach. Yeah. And so it's, it is absolutely manic energy because middle school students are doing everything. I right? love it. That's awesome. It's fantastic. And so it's really cool because everything sounds very middle schooly, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I was telling some of these people over the tables a little while ago, like, I have to like encourage specifically like, hey, maybe next time don't call the game stupid halfway through. That'd be great yeah. um, to like, you know. <laughs> maybe, they just uh, give their commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of coaching that goes into it, but it's also like, hey, this isn't, like my ministry, I don't yeah. want to be like the star here. Like y'all do it and they do. And it's really, really great. And I so everything, mm. everything feels very much like a middle school student is doing it, but because they are, they are. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's fantastic. So we're going to take a little bit of a, uh, like we, you know, we're here together at an event and taking questions from, uh, from the group that's done this experience together. And so we're, we're going to take a little bit of a left turn and Ron, we'll start this one with you. Have you personally ever experienced or dealt with burnout? Uh, so we went from programming to yeah. like, <laughs> take that deep dive. Here we are. Um, yes. Uh, and it was at one of those moments where I don't, I wouldn't have called it burnout at that moment. Looking back, I can mm. say definitely it was. But I remember uh, like one day sitting down on my computer and like programming out like I said, I love programming. That's my, th- like programming out 
the next six months of ministry, like down to what announcement was going to happen every Sunday morning. Okay, this announcement needs to happen here. This game's going to happen here. The song's going to be happen here. And I just kind of like scooted back in my chair. I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like that was, that was too easy. Like I'm not, I'm not even like making an impact. I'm not really doing anything. And like had that moment of like, oh, oh wow. Like there's too much of, I'm putting too much on myself in that it was easy, quote unquote, air quotes to do, but also like I was just killing myself to get it all done in the name of perfection, in the name of it's got to be right, in the Mm. name of everything has to look exactly how I needed it to be. And that was just because there wasn't a balance that was existing like personally, like I was needing to take more time for me and less time for absolutely investing everything I could into the ministry. And I'd say it was about three years ago, again, when I was like beginning to think through You'll notice, okay, three years ago, I gave away the ministry to a lot of students. And three years ago, I was beginning to get burnout. I was like, oh, okay, there's a correlation there. Yeah. Because I was doing yeah. everything, right? right? And so that's when that's when the shift happened. And that's when I knew that, okay, something's got to change here. Yeah. So you guys, uh, this is a audio medium for everyone that's not in the room. So they don't know you, but they heard from your introductions that you guys are in different phases of ministry. Ron, as a middle schooler, in case you're... About Davey to be on the first. Way. Yeah. yeah. So I, what I think is really important here, and you'll answer this question in a minute, have you experienced burnout, is to kind of take the phase of ministry or age out of this and realize that there's not a certain time frame that you get to and all of a sudden you're susceptible to burnout. Like it can happen early in ministry, late in ministry, mid in ministry, that that's not a thing that just people who have been around ministry for a long time experience. Uh, Casey, I'm not assuming anything upon you by leading in that, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that question. Have you ever Um, experienced burnout? I don't think I've experienced burnout. I've I've definitely experienced ministry exhaustion. Mm. Um, And it was just tied to like walking through difficult seasons in my family. Um, I think in God's grace, I've had really solid leaders around me that have called out um, potential burnout. Like mm-hmm. if I would have continued down this path, this is going to lead to this. And so yeah. they've been able to redirect me. And so I just see that as God's grace. Um, in the 10 years I've been in ministry, probably just ministry exhaustion. Yeah. Walking through, like my dad had brain cancer and lost him to that. And mm. he was like a spiritual hero. And so I remember 2017 for me was a year that was just super numb yeah. um, to life. And, but God used that to teach me what real compassion was. And my, I guess my ministry drive um, picked up after that. So I thought it was way compassionate before and then come up on the one year anniversary of losing my dad. And it just clicked that I had had this student in my ministry for a year and lost his mom to cancer and, I never even talked to him about it. Mm. So yeah. having been through the exhaustion, I think helped me be a better pastor. Yeah. So the, the follow-up yeah. then is normal is like, how do you prevent that? And Ronald, you talked about giving pieces of the ministry away Yeah. and okay, I've got too much that I am trying to control out of a desire for perfection. And I'm the only one that can do this. And yep. you've articulated really well, Hey, it's time to give some of that ministry give some of that ministry away. Yeah. And some of that too was also like what was happening and what I needed to do like personally. So yeah. it was around that time that I was like, you know what? Counseling's not a bad idea. 
And so it was like, okay, let's, let's take mental health seriously. Mm. And also was a time when like I would feel guilty leaving the church and going to the gym for an hour and getting like a workout in and then coming back and like apologizing, be like, no, 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 that's good. Like I need, I need to like be doing this for me, for my own, not mental, just mental health, but physical health. And also being like, no, this is, this is how I can work through the stresses of the ministry. So they're going to get a better you if you do those things. Yeah, absolutely. So pairing both, Hey, counseling is great. And I also need to exercise a little bit and putting those both those rhythms in my life, like it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. In case you talked about having people around you that are being willing to to call things out and maybe curb it before you run off the road, so to speak. Talk about the role that those mentors and other leaders around you can play in helping you avoid burnout. You know, they, they know me better than, you know, the parents and all that. And so, um, they pick up on the signs like mm-hmm. you do ministry with some of your closest friends. And so they yeah. know you really well and they pick up on those signs. Um, and can usually see things that you don't see. Yeah. And blind spots for yeah. sure. Um, so, but I, I think it's also not just looking at like your leadership, but they're looking at your physical, like, are you getting sleep? Are you, are you going to the gym? Are you, are you living a healthy lifestyle? You're not about to get sleep, buddy. It's your, yeah, we're not about to. <laughs> Love you, buddy. It's your family, like your priority over ministry, you know? So protecting work, like emails late at night and stuff like that. So we've, we've tried to put in a, a practice in our home where we put our phones into a drawer from 6 to 8 p.m. Mm. And it's just, that's family, you know? And obviously people know where we live and if there's emergencies, we'll, we'll make that available. But I think there has to be, like a family has to come first and my family needs to know that my wife needs to know that. Yeah. That, that time's protected for her. Yeah. So it's interesting how questions come together. And the next question on the list is kind of connected to this division of time. And is it okay to have time for myself? And the, the question as it's written is, do you think it's possible to completely disconnect on the weekends from your particular ministry? Do you think it's possible to completely disconnect on the weekends from your particular ministry? Casey, how would you answer that You're talking about our weekend, like, which could be Friday, Saturday. That's what you mean by... Yeah, so that's an important distinction, right? Because as a pastor... Sunday's a work day, baby. (laughs) So you can't disconnect on that day. But yeah, so let's, let's tackle it as your weekend days, that Friday, Saturday. I think it is, it is possible. Um, you know, as a youth pastor, there's Friday night football games. And so yeah. there's seasons where it still looks different and there's seasons where you are more free summer. You'll probably have more downtime on the weekends. And but yeah, I think it is possible. You just have to put the disciplines in, in place. Um, you know, I know pastors that don't touch their phone for 24 hours every Saturday or maybe it's Friday, but yeah. whatever their Sabbath is, they, they create those rhythms. And so right. for me, you know, I'm in grad school and Fridays, me and my wife, we go to coffee shop for five to six hours and we just do homework. And that's right now that's our season and I'm disconnecting from ministry. Um, and to me, that's restful. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. Finding that, whatever that rhythm is of getting away. You have just described as five to six hours of homework as restful. Yeah. <laughs> so I, 
I probably, <laughs> if you weren't going to call I them out on it, it, I was. <laughs> uh, no, but that's, man, that's, you're right. That's where your season is. And those seasons change. And the longer you're in ministry, the more seasons that you have to go in and out of. And one thing that works now and might be restful now may not be in the next yeah. season. And so I think it's, it's important to recognize that. Uh, Ronald, what do you, how would you answer that question? Is it possible? Yeah. And again, this is, there's, there's a running theme here. About three years ago, um, yeah, I was actually taking off uh, Thursdays, working Friday, and then I'd also take off Saturday. Okay. And that was just because of where our family was at the moment. We had um, our, our two youngest were in a Tuesday, Thursday daycare. Mm-hmm. So it worked well for us to like take off Thursday so that like, okay, the kids were in daycare. We could spend time together, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then once they got into uh, school, and we're in school the whole time. I was like, you know what? Two days off sounds really nice. And so made that shift then from uh, working Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then taking off Thursday, coming back to work Friday, going off of work again, Saturday, coming back to work Sunday, doing the whole thing over again to, okay, let me move my day off um, to Friday, Saturday, and actually having that weekend. So being able to do that was great in that I could say, okay, this is, these are two days now that I have something to do with. Mm. Actually, my pastor said, you know, what was really helpful was to get one of those big wall calendars, right? Where you can see the whole year, right? And just as you're planning on, okay, like this weekend trip is here, this, you know, ministry thing is going on here, this football game is here, you begin to see patterns that if you don't, if you just look at like February and then scroll to March, you're like, okay, well, I was at th- I was out three weekends doing ministry stuff last month, and oh, it's three weekends this ministry too. It's kind of hard to see that pattern. Mm. If you do it all on one big wall, you can say like, okay, this I need time here because I've been giving ministry time, ministry time. There needs to be you know time here where I'm just completely off. Yeah, and then there's might be ministry time, family time, you know, personal growth time like this where you can see those patterns more clearly if you put it on a big calendar and then if you think okay this is my these are my weekends times friday and saturday not saturday sunday i think you can you can get it off as long as you just don't think that sunday is ever going to be a day that you're actually going to unplug Uh, man i think this one you know the easy answer here is yes it's possible to completely disconnect but it's not as it's not as easy as that because it seems like there's always things that come up. You mentioned the Friday night football stuff, and so during a season, it can be really difficult to to totally disconnect. I would uh, I would suggest too. This is a conversation to have with your supervisor. Um, if there's not an understanding there, then there's a potential for there to be frustration in that relationship, and and that you could not be aware of an expectation that is held on you. Uh, so I think this is something to, to not just hold yourself, uh, but to have a conversation with the, the person that oversees you to make sure there's agreement and make sure that like, hey, I, I plan on doing this. Is that acceptable here? And if it's not, then they'll tell you. And if it is acceptable, then there's an understanding. Um, so I think always... You know, if they go looking for you and you're disconnected, that's never a good thing unless there was previous understanding that you're going to be right. disconnected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next question is, where do you draw the line between ministry and life? And so that's why I mentioned, like, 
this, these questions are all headed in one direction and it's, and it is how do I do this thing that is ministry that takes more time than it feels like I have. But also I hear all of these voices saying it's important to have time for me and family. And there's all of these other things that are out there that I have to have time for too. So where do you draw the line between ministry and life? Whoever wants to jump in first. Rock, paper, scissors, go. <laughs> no, I think it's a, for me this year, especially after, you know, going through COVID and just feeling like I was attached to a screen all the time because it screens were how we were doing life. Um, I turned off notifications on my phone. There are three notifications that get through on my phone and it is phone calls, text messages, and um, one other app. Wordle yeah, website. Right. It's Wordle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got it. <sighs> Third guest today. I was doing good. Yeah. Um, and so, no, the, there are only three applications on my phone that, that send me notifications. Yeah. Right. So they're still, the apps are still on my phone, but this is, I mean, this is a question of, right. So if we had a, a regular nine to five working in corporate America, you know, you could separate work and life really easily, yeah. you know, work and not work because we're doing ministry. It's that hard balance of, okay, I tell my, I tell my students to share the gospel like you were encouraging us earlier, like we have to be sharing the gospel. So we have to know people who are lost. Who do we know that's lost? Okay. Mm -hmm. So if I'm leaving my job, which is at a church, I'm then going into a place where people don't know Jesus. Am I working? Is that ministry? And is it, does ministry always mean work? It's a hard uh, balancing act. And I don't know if the balance per se exists. Yeah. Because we're never not Christian. Right. Right. You can't, you can't flick that switch on and off. And if you can, that's something you need to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, that's, that's something you need to figure out. So the idea then is, okay, when, when am I working? Yeah. Right. And I think that's an easier question. And that's why I turned off notifications on my phone because all of the, you know, the student ministry Instagram page does not need my 24 seven guidance. Yeah. Right. I can, I can unplug from that and I can, I can check that when it needs to be checked. And that's like you were talking about, Casey, just having that balance of going, okay, there has to be times when I unplug. Yeah. I think there's some helpful definition around work and life and ministry and life here, because you pointed out a really clear distinction is if I am going to the gym and I'm building relationships with people there, is that working? Because I'm doing pastoral things and building relationships to share the gospel. And I would draw a distinction to say like, okay, in life, there is an as you go mentality that we are all to have as Christians, but when am I working? Absolutely. And that's, and that's the question you asked. And so I think that's the important thing to come back to here is when are you, when are you working? And some people have the ability to turn that work brain off and for others, it just runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. And you're always thinking about a ministry thing. How am I going to solve this? What am I going to do for this issue? Who am I going to set up coffee with next week? And those things can tread into that life, life. space if we're not really careful. Like I am, uh, 
some people push back against this because I do think there's calling involved, but I'm okay with referring to what you do as a job. Like if you're a youth pastor, they pay me for it. Yeah. It's a job. Yes. It's a calling. And yes, like there are other things. There's a supernatural element to that, I believe, but it's still a job. You've been hired to do a specific job. And, uh, I think it's okay to refer to it that way. And I think if we run into people who use the word calling as a way to monopolize our time or take advantage of who we are, then that is an unhealthy relationship. Because calling for ministry does not mean that you get me 24 seven extremely helpful and this was somebody talking about the corporate corporate america side of things like the the non non um ministry work where they were saying okay if if you died in a car crash tomorrow your company would probably have send out an email in our circumstances with work we'd have a really great memorial service like but then they'd they'd start looking for your replacement like not in a, not in, in, in a, like a insincere way, but like they would want a youth pastor and it would be really, really sad that you are no longer there, but like you're replaceable Yeah. at our church. Mm-hmm. I'm not replaceable at my house. Like my daughters need me. Yeah. Right. That I, they don't get to hire another dad. Right. And so for me, it's that, that balance of, okay, what is work? What can someone else do? And what are the things that only I can do? Yeah. And that's, that's when, that's when that balance says, okay, I, I need to be focusing on what only I can do and be able to, and if I can't turn it off, that's again, some more assessment and things to talk about with my counselor. That's right. We're big, we're big therapy fans. Uh, it's, I think it's healthy for every person to be in some type of therapy environment. It is just good, good, good. Uh, the, I think another recognition that comes along with ministry is that there will be seasons where it's easier to stop working than other seasons. Like we just know there are certain things, like if you do a big weekend event, whether it be like retreat or disciple now or something like that, leading up to that, you're going to work more leading up to camp going to work more. So there are seasons where that work brain has to stay active longer than others. It's in those other times that we have to realize, okay, I've got to have boundaries in my life in order for me to still continue doing this. Uh, You know, calling, I said it earlier, so there's no need to go back to it other than just to say calling does not mean that you're a youth pastor 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There are, like both of you are married, and so there, there are responsibilities there and married or not, there are responsibilities to yourself and to friendships and to personal health that supersede a job. Again, we're not talking about Christianity here. We're not talking yeah. about faith. We're talking about a job that God has seen fit to put you in. Uh, all right, let's, let's transition to another question. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, how do you practically set the tone for the culture of your ministry? So Casey, this goes to Ooh. 
more leadership and yeah. building culture and what you want the ministry to be about and do. Talk about setting the tone for that and what's involved there. I think you lead by example for sure. Um, but it, it, what you celebrate in your ministry is what people are going to replicate. Yeah. So we, we, even the little, the little wins, um, if you celebrate, if you celebrate big numbers at an event, that's what students think is important. They're going to invite more friends because they're helping the ministry succeed. If you celebrate students giving their lives to Jesus in living rooms, like we say, we say this all the time, we want to see more students coming to Jesus in living rooms versus rows mm. because obviously both happen. We want both to happen, but if more come to know Jesus in living rooms, which is our Sunday night context, um, outside of the church walls, that means the students are, we're winning because the students are making disciples. They're impacting our city. And the multiplication of that is so much greater. So celebrating those little stories, whether it's bringing a student up on stage to, to share like what happened in their home on Sunday night, someone out in the audience who doesn't go to Sunday nights now wants to be a part of a community group because that's what got celebrated. So I think what you celebrate um, intentionally and unintentionally has a huge impact on, on the culture you're creating. Yeah. Oh, the last question where I kind of want to end, you know, that we do this at a regional, in a regional environment at an event for this one, we're in San Antonio. Uh, and neither, neither of you are from here. So I would love to hear just real quickly from both of you, like what is one of the things about doing ministry in San Antonio that has been unique or eye opening or, I love doing ministry here in this context because then you can say whatever. Just absolutely whatever. Yeah. It's got to be the breakfast tacos. Okay. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Um, <laughs> yeah. San Antonio is so interesting. I grew up in Southern California, so the Latino culture is very similar. Okay. The desert kind of feel. Yeah. Um, the difference, though, is San Antonio feels like a family. Um, very tight knit. I think the Latino culture brings that. I've never done quinces as a pastor until I moved to San Antonio. Okay. And so they don't teach you how to do that in seminary, but I have come to lo love quinces. Okay. Um, so you'll have to give a little bit of a, you'll elaborate a little bit for the non. Like a wedding, like you get up and you get to like talk this 16 year old or 15 year old through like this transition in her faith like own her faith as yeah. a, as a young woman. So it sounds really formal. And like, if you haven't been to it, like that sounds weird, but it's really cool. It's really intentional. So I've done one of these. Yeah. Uh, I was a youth pastor. <laughs> I it was the first time I'd never been to one. I did not know that I was going to be called on for anything. And it was that it was like the blessing, right? Yeah. yeah. It was like, Hey, you're the youth introduced me. You're the youth pastor. And, and I, I was like, I've got to say stuff right now. So it was a very uncomfortable situation, not knowing ahead of time so that you could do a lot of those here. Yeah. So I, that was just to say like family culture. Yeah. Very, we're military town USA. That's mm -hmm. one of our nicknames. And so lots of military bases, veterans, uh, military families moving here. Um, but people belong as soon as they move here. It's cool. Cause it's that family. So one's professional sports team. We all rally around the Spurs, even though I'm a Lakers fan. Uh, Kobe for life. Okay. You know, so, but that's like, that's the heartbeat of San Antonio. It's, it's one family. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, you asked about unique challenges. 
I think with the size of our city, if things haven't changed in the last couple of months, we're like the seventh largest on the national. Um, okay. I think we're 1.7 million ish uh, people in San Antonio, the seventh largest city. Um, and so you got to think creatively if we want to be a church who is located on the north side of San Antonio, but we say we want to be a church for east, south, west, and north, a church for all sides, then we got to think strategically about how we do ministry and how yeah. we expect to reach people. So for us, it's been like our metric is not Wednesday nights. I think that's changing big time in, in this next generation. We've seen that with COVID already, but our metric has to be sending our students to people versus asking new students to be the missionary and cross mm. the threshold into the church. That's not, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And so, especially San Antonio, seventh largest city, rush hour traffic on a Wednesday night. They're not going to drive an hour to our place sure. for a Wednesday night gathering only to drive an hour back. And so Sunday nights is our metric. And we, we have homes around the city um, where students are living missionally. It's not just a Christian bubble, Christian Bible study, but we're actually teaching how to invite lost people where those friends can become family before they even like they can, belong to that before they even believe in Jesus. Yeah. I love it. I love that so much. Uh, and I think you're right about where the culture is headed in going and getting versus waiting for people to come. And I think people are struggling with that idea. Yeah. I think it's like, well, what do we, what do we do now? So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, how about San Antonio sneaky at number seven? I, I don't know that I would have put, yeah, Seventh largest. All right, Ronald. See, the the people who are really excited about that live in San Antonio and like they wish they were Dallas. Like that's like what? that's wow. No, no, no. And that's because <laughs> that's because my co my my high school pastor is from Dallas. He's like the only one who cares about the fact that San Antonio is the seventh largest are people from San Antonio. So like being markedly not from San Antonio, being like mm. a generic white dude from the South. Like okay. I am like I'll I'll echo what Casey is saying. In my cul-de-sac, we are one of two Caucasian families. And I'm so excited for my daughters yeah. to grow up in a city where diversity is the norm yeah. as opposed to the exception. Sure. And so like when when I get out, go outside and talk to my neighbor Cleo and then, you know, talk to my uh, you know, other neighbor Octavia and then talk to my other neighbor Pedro, like and I get to talk to all these different people from different cultures literally in my backyard and yeah. neighbors next door. For me, it's just such an exciting moment because that was not my experience growing up and not necessarily the fault of like my parents of not like trying to introduce. It's just, we lived in markedly white communities. Right. And so being in San Antonio where diversity is the norm, where there are just so many people, it's really, really neat to both see and celebrate all of the differences, but also be able to point out and say, yeah, there are a lot of people who need Jesus in this community and we can't fit all of San Antonio in our current churches. Mm. Like they, they can't, they, they, there is not enough room for them. Mm. So yeah, absolutely echoing what you're saying of what is our culture and what we're needing is to continue to just make a culture where students are saying, Hey, yeah, this is where you learn about ministry. You're going out to where you're going to do life. Yeah. And your life is that ministry out there. Your life is who you're talking to in math class or who you're on the swim team with or who lives next door to you who doesn't know Jesus. You as student, we as Christians get to take the gospel out there. It's really cool because in San Antonio, we have lots of opportunities to do that. 
yeah. lots of great chances to. Well, I want to say thank you to both of you, uh, Casey and Ronald, for being a part of this, for uh, answering some questions. Thank you to everybody for uh, the questions. We appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation from our Essentials event in San Antonio, Texas. I would love for you to join us at an Essentials conference near you. You can find out more at lifeway.com slash student essentials. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We will see you next time.